This podcast is brought to you by Audible. What do you know about Audible, Katrina? They have thousands of audiobooks. Perfect for your drive time. 180,000 books. It's a lot of drive time. It's a lot of drive time. But if you're in Los Angeles and you're stuck in traffic, you'll get through them pretty quick. Yep. So we are offering a free book and a free 30-day trial to Audible. All you have to do is go to audibletrial.com slash mdxpods. And uh, that's it. You get a free book and you can keep it even if you cancel. So uh, check it out. It helps out the show a lot. Yeah. Ruin my childhood. Thanks for listening to Ruin My Childhood, the podcast where we decide if some things are better off left in the past. I'm Mike. And I'm Kat. And uh, what are we going to be talking about today, Katrina? Jurassic Park. Yes. Um, I've been wanting to watch this one for a couple months now. Yeah. Um, so the reason we're covering this now is that we've got the 25th anniversary of Jurassic Park coming up in just uh, in the next couple of weeks. And we've spent a lot of time at Universal Studios the last couple <laughs> last couple of weeks. We've been yep. there, what, four or five times? Yep. And uh, I just actually read the book for the first time as well in the last couple months. So I've been juiced for uh, Jurassic Park. So juiced. Uh, so last episode, we asked people to contact us on Instagram, Twitter, DM us, tweet at us. You know, whatever. Get in contact Sliding with us. in them DMs. And uh, just tell us what you remember about Jurassic Park or what your favorite moment was. And I think you had somebody. Did we get any hits on our social medias on, on Jurassic Park? Um, Jack Soupcan says Samuel L. Jackson versus Newman. Uh-uh-uh, you didn't say the magic word. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's the, um, oh, I remember that scene. Um, <laughs> that's, yeah, Newman from Seinfeld, uh. Wayne Knight, as I think is the actor's name, he he's like the hacker guy and he ends up trying to like steal stuff and he locks him out and he's got like a gif or an animated like password thing. Uh, but yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And then I have one from Darian Cruz and what he said he remembers is he just sent me a, a DM that just says, hold on to your butts. Hold on to your hold butts. Hold on to your butts. Okay, so what do you remember about this movie? Um, so First thing that comes to your mind. The theme song. I definitely remember the theme song. Your musical abilities are <laughs> unparalleled. Um, I, I I definitely remember the the theme song. I also had the video game of this for for this movie on Super Nintendo. I and mean, it was... to be fair though, we have been riding the Jurassic Park ride quite a lot recently. Yes. Um, and I just read the book, so it's a the book is drastically different than the movie, but. I, I definitely remember the video game. I want to read it, but I don't have that kind of time. Oh, it's so really I good. think I'm going to get the audiobook. Oh, good. Good uh, good tie into the opening of the episode. We're yep. so good at that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I definitely remember the dinosaurs. I remember thinking this movie was amazing as a kid. I remember the T-Rex. I actually have a traumatic experience with the T-Rex toy, but it's from The Lost World, not from this movie. Uh, so the second one, but... I, I remember having this movie on VHS and watching it all the time. What about you? I don't think we owned it, but it was definitely a movie that we rented. Yeah. Uh, I don't think we went to theaters to see it. I don't think I did We either. rented it more than once because it was such a good movie. And it, I mean, it's interesting. Like thinking back to our childhood, there were a lot of movies that were, you know, a family experience, but, you know, they kind of weren't really like this family This wasn't a kid's movies. movie. 
Yeah, but it had kids in it. So I right. think everyone saw it thinking, okay, that'll be great. I don't even think great. it was that. But despite that, the the one thing from this movie that is seared into my memory is the T-Rex biting down on that guy sitting on the oh, toilet. Oh, on the toilet? <laughs> um, yeah, I think part of this movie, this I think we've talked about some of these other movies that we've watched that weren't for kids, but they just kind of like transcended what's um, okay for a kid. And it was just just a huge part of pop culture like this just broke just barriers in terms of special effects cg animatronics you know sam winston worked on the animatronics for this movie and sam winston stan winston (laughs) (laughs) um and it's insane like everybody had to see the dinosaurs in this movie right it was groundbreaking it was and i remember revolutionary i didn't see this one in theaters but i saw this the second and third one in theaters and it was just a way of life like you had to see this movie well, and, i mean spielberg yeah spielberg it, spielberg like everything he would touch everyone knew it was good so they they invested the time and the money to see it right um i mean i i feel like there's so many things i could talk about this movie that i would rather just kind of watch the movie and then then talk about it because, yeah i'm actually really excited to watch this yeah me too i've been wanting to watch it for months all right then all right let's do it yeah All right, so we just watched Jurassic Park, and uh, I liked it. I loved it. I um, I wasn't confident that it was going to hold up. The, you know, there were a couple things that were a little iffy, but it's still solid. Uh, the thing for me is it's been so long since I watched this movie. So as a kid, because I saw The Lost World and in theaters, I think The Lost World was the one that I was, went back and watched the most as a kid. Um, cause I definitely remember really liking Jeff Goldblum's character and he's the main character in the second one. My next door neighbor, Roberto, was obsessed with The Lost World. We must I, have watched that on VHS in his house like 80 times. Yeah, I saw that constantly. So I couldn't remember every bit of this movie. Like I remember the big things like, you know, the, um, the kid with the, who like kind of makes fun of um, velociraptors at the beginning and right. Sam Neill's character, Grant, <laughs> kind of like scares the crap out of him. And then I remember, of course, like the T-Rex scene and like the puddle and the, the glass of water vibrating or the ripple thing. And then I, I kind of feel like that's part of your responsibility if you're a scientist is to scare the crap out of little kids. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, like the velociraptors in the kitchen, like oh. these are some iconic things, but all the all the kind of the in-between things I kind of forgot about. Um, so this it's been long enough since I've watched this movie that not everything was... Like, I kind of was watching it for the first time again. The Velociraptors were a lot bigger than I remembered. Um, so just some Maybe facts. Maybe it's just because, like, I'm used to seeing, like, Velociraptor skeletons and stuff. Well, they actually are bigger. So Steven Spielberg insisted on having them be about 10 feet long because he wanted them to be a little bit more intimidating in the movie. But most of them aren't. No, most of them were four to six feet. But while they were filming this movie, they actually did find velociraptors in Utah that were close to 10 feet long. Good old Utah. Yep. Um, The only thing they're good for is Mormons and dinosaurs. 
Can we say that? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I already did. <laughs> um, you know, the Mormons are fastest growing religion. You guys are nice people. But it, your religion is a little weird. You can't, definitely <laughs> can't say that. Okay. Why can't um, I say that? It is strange. Like the first note on that that I took was the opening scene is stupid. So like we watched that first scene. Oh, stop I moving for, around. I forgot about that first scene. We we watched that first scene and I was like, oh no, it's not gonna be good. But that was definitely the weakest part of the movie. It was just no, so it had cheesy. one of the best lines in the it entire was movie. So cheesy. What was the best line? Shooter, shooter. Oh it it was just bad, and like the Spanish that they were speaking, I. I kind of feel like they didn't bother to get actors who actually spoke. Were Spanish. they speaking Spanish? I thought they just had accents, because it's in Costa Rica. I mean, like they they spoke a little bit of Spanish, but their accents were all different. They didn't have like the right accent. Hmm. I didn't notice that. How um, hard is it, Stephen? <laughs> um. So, I I forgot. I remember that line, "Shuta, Shuta," right, with the British accent. Like I've sure i've said that to you a bunch in the last few years is that what that accent that's is what supposed that's to from be? shooter shooter oh. but i forgot there which are part so of the many movie things that... that you say on a regular basis that i have no idea what they are because you're so bad at accents. i am really bad at accents in fact <laughs> in um for our anniversary episode of remake rewind and i did the best of there's a whole section of this me doing really bad accents and voices and impressions <sighs> <laughs> All right, so the the movie starts out like pretty pretty brutal. Like people get killed, but then they're like concerned about getting sued. Here's the thing though. Like people working in that environment, they've got like ironclad waivers. They are making the big bucks and they're signing off on that risk. So, I kind of feel like they wouldn't be able to sue them. I you would think they wouldn't be able to, but realistically there's certain things like arbitration agreements like at work, I had to sign an arbitration agreement, but those things almost never hold up. Like, there's certain cases where you can absolutely sue, even if you have contracts. Um, look at the whole Stormy Daniels thing going on right now. <laughs> this is a little different. <laughs> um, uh, the beginning of the the movie, that like, it just has a shaky start because they also ADR an obscene amount of dialogue in the first couple of yeah, scenes. Yeah. Um, uh, Laura Dern's character. Yeah. Like her first, uh, for a substantial part of the movie, it sounds like she's ADR'd. Yeah. Um, I do love that scene with the kid who Sam Neill's like got the little velociraptor claw and he's like, you know, they actually foreshadow something that happens at the end of the movie that I I've never really noticed or maybe, you know, as a kid, you're definitely not going to notice this thing. But he talks about how the velociraptors are smart and social and how you'll be staring at one velociraptor. And you're about to make your move when two more come from the side and get you. And that's actually mm. what happens to the uh, the guy who's like the main. Um, his name is. Why can't I think of his name right now? Not really important. But he's like the big. He was a big game hunter in the book. And he's like the main guy, like the animal control guy. He at one point is stalking a velociraptor. And he's about to pull the trigger. And then he looks to his left, looks to his right. And he sees a velociraptor on either side. And he's like clever girl and then he gets gets killed i mean that's kind of what you deserve when you're a big game hunter let's be honest right um but they foreshadowed that early there were a couple foreshadow there was one that i noticed that was a foreshadow for the new film but now i can't remember what it was and i didn't write it well, down i don't think it foreshadowed the new film i think the newer films went back and took stuff from this 
I don't think they purposely foreshadowed a film 25 years later. Whatever. <laughs> um, they couldn't have foreshadowed Jeff Goldblum getting hotter. He's a good looking older dude. Yeah. You should watch The Fly. I think you'd like it. You will, see his buns. Will it ruin Jeff Goldblum now for No, you me? see his buns. Okay, I'm there. Um, he's naked in that movie quite a bit, actually. What? Um, <laughs> um, what was I saying? Got distracted oh, by foreshadowing. The There's also a foreshadowing thing that when they're in the helicopter and they're about to like land on the island, that he tells them to like buckle up their seatbelts and everyone's buckling in. And Alan's character, Alan Grant, um, doesn't have a male end of the seatbelt. He has two female ends. And then he had to find a way and he tied them oh. together. Yeah. So the reason that's relevant is later on we find out that B.D. Wong's character, who's basically a glorified cameo you know walk on kind of role on this movie ends up he's like the villain in the newer movies he tells um everybody that like oh they're female dinosaurs and there's no way that they can grow and of course because they're all basically stem cell exactly in vitro so two babies for those of you who don't know who aren't into genetics or biology most vertebrates um whether they're reptiles mammals whatever they are genetically predisposed to be female, and then there's a, a hormone or a chromosome thing that causes them to be male late. You into... are all female once. Yep. <laughs> so it's true. Like Everybody was a female for a large part of their development, and then their chromosomes click in or the DNA clicks in, and then it no, no, makes no. a hormone. No, something goes wrong. And some of them become male. Right. <laughs> Something goes wrong. <laughs> um, but that's, you know, the big the big twist in this movie is the dinosaurs start reproducing because they have frog DNA. And frog DNA, of course, some frogs can actually change sex if there's uh, a lot of a amphibians of, can. Yeah. If there's a lack of males in an area, then some of the females will turn males so they can procreate. Um, we haven't even summarized this movie. Do you want to do a quick summary? No. Should I do a quick summary? Yes. All right, real quick summary. Uh, John Hammond is designing a new state-of-the-art theme park with genetically engineered dinosaurs, and because of an incident, they have to get experts to sign off on it so the insurance company will let them actually open. So they bring in uh, Ian, Mal um, Ian Malcolm, played by Jeff Goldblum, uh, Alan Grant, played by Sam Neill, and I can't remember her first name, but it's Sadler, Played by Laura Dern, and if two of Ellie, Ellie, if two of the three of them sign off on the park, then they can open. But of course, things go wrong because there's a character named Nidri who is getting paid by a competing company to steal the embryos of the dinosaurs, and he shuts off the park security feature so he can do that, and all hell breaks loose. All right, so. I love that these people are supposed to be, you know, very qualified, maybe like top specialists in their field. And it's because of that that their opinion is valuable in this insurance decision. Right. Two out of three have to agree. Well, so actually, there could ostensibly be something horrendously ethically, biologically wrong with this project. But if the other two disagree with the one who points it out, you're still well, good to go. Well, the thing is, it actually just needed two signatures. And originally, it was just going to be Alan Grant and Ian Malcolm. But then they were like, oh, Ellie, you can come too. And then she proved to be an expert because she is a botanist. And she's kind of like right off the bat, she goes, like, Hammond, you don't know what you're doing here. Like, you've got all these plants that are super poisonous. Like, but you think they look cool. So she kind of like presented herself as an expert and it was pretty cool. 
Yeah. Um, she was a great character. She was like, a great character. Um, Like, especially for, like, early 90s, like, she was a very strong female character in the movie. This was kind of like when, you know, like, Twister came out and these strong, independent, professional women were kind of, like, breaking into right. the scene. Like, I was surprised. Like, I didn't remember that And then that at they all. disappeared. Like, because she... <laughs> She, like, kind of, like, took control of, like, when they found the sick triceratops. She kind of stood up to John Hammond multiple times. And there's a point where somebody needs to go remotely turn on the power. And John Hammond's like, I should do it. And she goes, why? And everything. She's like, just read the schematics and tell me what to do. Like, we can, you can mansplain. She doesn't say mansplain, but she's like, we can talk about sexism in the survival circumstances later or something along those lines. What was her last name? Sadler. Are you looking something up? Oh, I'm I'm checking to see if um, anyone has uploaded the writer's description of her. Oh, that article. So Katrina the other day shared this article on Facebook, I think, and it's pretty messed up. Like, why didn't you explain what it was? Um, so people have basically just been taking snippets from uh, scripts. So the first time you introduce a character in a film script or TV script or whatever, you give a brief description of them. And, you know, it can be, it's usually personality traits. Um, you, you might mention a mannerism if it's important to your character. And usually there's a little bit of a physical description. There isn't always a physical description for men, but 99.9% of the time, the description of the women is almost entirely physical traits. And it's always, oh, it's crap like um, pretty but doesn't know it or sexy but tries her best to hide it. That kind or of. Or the one of my favorite ones was something oh along the lines like. She's hot, but not super hot, but like you'd still want to do it or something like that. Right. Like Quentin Tarantino had one that was just awful. Um, but yeah, she was really a really strong character. And did you find that? Sen- the, the I didn't, but you know, the description of her would be in the book. In so, the so well, the book more so than the screenplay. The book is com- so I'll I'll just spend like a minute talking about the differences of the book. I'll try to keep it brief. Um, so the book. Th- a lot of the characters are drastically different. So Ellie and Alan in the movie are actually romantically kind of involved and she wants to have kids and he doesn't. In fact, he says multiple times he doesn't really like kids in the book. He is a professor and she's like a grad student and they're not romantically involved at all. Um, And he actually loves kids like mm-hmm. throughout the book. He like takes care of the kids and he's super nurturing and he's like goes out of his way to like help the kids and have a, have them even ha- make them have a good time while they're getting hunted by that. Di- excuse me while they're getting hunted by dinosaurs. John Hammond in the movie he's pretty delightful and naive. And then by the end he's like he realizes the park's bad in the book. He's like kind of I don't want to say evil but he's super stubborn and he's super convinced and paranoid that everybody is trying to shut the park down so they can steal the idea from him. And he like he's not even nice to his grandkids really in the book. And then the lawyer who is in the famous scene that you like where the guy gets bitten from the toilet. Right. In the book, he is actually kind of like he's described as being like kind of like really fit, like mid 30s. Like I kind of pictured him like a Jeremy Renner. Um, I kind of pictured Alan Grant as like a Ben Affleck. Like the way they describe him is like modern day Ben Affleck with the beard kind of thing. And it's drastically different. Like the movie, they cut off like half the book in the movie. It's it's pretty crazy. Um, but they're both very enjoyable. Like I can't really complain. All right, where were 
movie. <laughs> uh, we talked about the we talked about Sadler, and then I talked briefly about the differences in the book. Uh, I think we should just get to our notes and see if there's anything specifically we want to talk about. Oh, oh. There's some great one-liners in there, this. There, there are some great lines in this movie. Like that's one big pile of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, I'm gonna look something up. Or anytime Ian Malcolm is talking about chaos theory, is pretty good. Um, and he's like constantly like hitting on Ellie in front of. Oh, us. here we go. Here is my favorite thing, and we'll just insert the clip. God creates dinosaurs. God destroys dinosaurs. God creates man. Man destroys God. Man creates dinosaurs. Dinosaurs eat man. Woman inherits the earth. <laughs> Boom. That's that is my good. favorite part of the movie. It's good. She, she was great. Like I remember she was a much bigger part of the movie than I remember. Right. And I love that they gave her one-liners. Like so many movies even if they do have like the empowered female character, it's always for the benefit of the male gaze. Like, oh, she's so hot, she can handle herself. But like, they actually made her a real character. Thank they did. you. <laughs> she she was great. The kids I actually thought were pretty solid in the movie too. Um, they were, and they actually looked like they could be related. Yeah, I guess so. I think the kid, the the boy is definitely a little funny looking. They they did have that like all american child actor look that was super typical of the time and those characters were like drastically different so one last thing for the book like in the book the sister's younger and she's like a tomboy and like wants to play baseball so throughout the book they stop to play like catch and the boy was a little older and the computer hacker and they kind of reversed it a little bit like he was still super nerdy but the girl was a quote-unquote hacker but i i think that was the right move for the for the movie to give them both something to do because in the book the 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 girl didn't really do much um so i i didn't really mind that change right i did like the kind of with that clip that you just played with the uh man creates dinosaur like they have some like philosophical kind of discussions like there's a point where ian malcolm is talking about chaos theory and how there's no way we can control dinosaurs life finds a way which is, you know, iconic now. Like that right. that line has been used in almost every single Jurassic Park movie. But there's a point where Hammond goes, "Look, we're doing something great. Like if I cloned condors, nobody would say anything." Kind of thing. And then they were like, "Yeah, but, you know, condors Dinosaurs had their shot." Exactly. That's what he <laughs> says, you know, condors have issues because of deforestation, you know, pesticides, stuff like that. Right. We did that where dinosaurs had a chance they were naturally selected out or there was a cataclysmic event. They can't they can't be in this world today. And, right. you know, of course, he ends up being right. Well, and I think one thing that we kind of forget about when we go back to watch this movie is when this came out, like in vitro babies are so commonplace these days. Um, I, I think like just in general people are getting weaker and less healthy and so <laughs> they're having a harder time reproducing plus people are like waiting longer to get married and have kids right so like in vitro is totally run-of-the-mill like we probably all know someone who has tried in vitro or needed it to have a baby but back when this movie came out it was new on the scene right it was exorbitantly expensive most people weren't doing it most people were really suspicious of it um and like, you know, when you think back on it, they really haven't had that much research on the long term no. effects. Um, 
but you know back in the day that was new it was cutting edge and people were like really questioning the ethics of it because it hadn't been done before there yeah yeah you're right there was one thing where they kind of talk about science in this movie that i didn't really agree with so ian malcolm talks about how he goes you didn't earn this like you guys are standing on the backs of what other people did and you don't think about you know he, he has like the famous thing like you guys didn't think about you you only thought about that if you could do this, but not if you should do this. Right, that right? was a good line, but I don't understand his beef. Like right. his issue was like a moral dilemma with using science of people who came before them. But that's Which, like that's what, what the, all scientists yeah, do. Yeah, that's the whole point of science is peer review and take it to the next level. Like we wouldn't have gone to the moon if we didn't look at sci- physics that you know other people came up with first do things that are hard right (laughs) (laughs) Um, Uh, but one thing that they kind of touch on it um a little bit with the dinosaur being sick because the plants are inappropriate for these animals but one thing they don't talk about is when you do create um i mean now of course there's genetic testing for embryos that are in vitro but back in the day, and especially like, of course, if they had dinosaurs, they wouldn't know what issues to look for. Right. They wouldn't be testing the embryos to make sure they're healthy. They would have all of these like funky ass dinosaurs well, that they, have all kinds of health issues. They, they did. In the book, that's actually a huge issue. Like a lot of the dinosaurs have issues. They're and... just engineering them to survive the birthing process. And that's it because they're not reproducing. Well, what they're doing is actually. Supposedly. Right. So in the book, what they do is. Basically that they get them born and then they just they start tweaking the embryos to, you know, get them to actually work. So like they're on like version seven of some dinosaurs. Right. Um, But then they don't touch on necessarily like where the bulk of the extra DNA that they're filling in is. Like they mentioned that they fill in some of the gaps with frog DNA, but they would have to have like a substantial amount of DNA from another animal to accomplish this. Like we have with the woolly mammoth. Like they're basically using elephant DNA. I mean, we're not because basically they're breeding the woolly mammoth again now, but they're not really because basically they're just splicing in distinct woolly mammoth traits with elephant DNA and implanting it into a large breed of elephant that could carry the embryo but so it's not a genuine woolly mammoth it's not genetically it's a I, yeah it's a hybrid it's not genetically identical to what would have existed just like these dinosaurs wouldn't be which kind of gives them a, a good out for the later movie because now we know that most dinosaurs had feathers right dinosaurs didn't look like that which well, i i don't really care B. i B. like character had a whole speech about the with birds. Bryce Dallas Howard saying like right and the first time I watched this movie my dad kind of like ruined it for me and was like actually scientists think that dinosaurs may have had feathers this was like back before they confirmed right. it for sure because um, now we have fossils where you can see right but that is kind of convenient that they are really not creating true dinosaurs so they can tweak them to have the traits that people really like seeing right um so some other highlights um, that that T-Rex scene is still phenomenal. Like when he comes over like the paddock and like right. flips the cars. That scene is terrifying. Like It is. It's I, legitimately good still. Like I'm looking at my notes and the notes are probably, I probably have a note like every 15 to 20 minutes because I got so engrossed in it. Like that scene when he flips the car and the kids are trapped and then they're using the flashlights and 
um grant is like turn off the light they only see movement and then he has to distract him with the flares and then malcolm flack distracts them with the flares and it's just a great scene and then the, the that scream i forgot all about it but oh the my sister God. like the older child like they go and he pulls her out of the car and he's trying to get the younger brother out of the car and then she does this scream and it was so good mm-hmm. and he like covers her and he's like don't move don't move and then the t-rex like bumps the car and they kind of kind of have to like slowly crawl so he doesn't right. really see them like well and i think harrowing. that's like that's such a testament to spielberg's skill as a director because every single performance in this movie was solid and like yeah. working with kids people don't realize this like child actors can be really good but when you're shooting, it's like you have to do multiple rehearsals. You have to have a rehearsal for every camera angle, and then you have to do several takes. And sometimes you just don't get what you need out of kids because they have to be um, on set with the tutor in school for a certain number of hours per day, and they have to leave set much shorter. Right. So you have very few hours to work with these kids. So to get these kinds of performances out of these children, like not only does it reflect well on them, but it reflects amazingly well on Spielberg that every single performance is solid, including the kids. Right. Um, Just some other, like there's one thing I didn't like about the movie. I didn't like that Samuel Jackson's death was off screen. No. Like I kind of, and what's, what's interesting about these movies is I remember seeing people get eaten by the dentist, but there's really only one person you see actually get eaten. And that's the guy (laughs) on the toilet. Everybody else, you just kind of see like it's so undignified, yeah. Um, like, but that builds suspense. It does, and well, obviously. So, like, when you look at this movie, the there's only a few minutes of CG, right? Um, there's obviously there's there's nothing they could do about the stampede scenes. That's CG, and then with the brachiosauruses, like those are CG. But most of the raptors and T Rex were actually animatronic Mm -hmm. um you do have that full shot of the t-rex that cg when it's like roaring at the end after it killed the raptors and kind of saved the day (laughs) but for the most part like if you just see its feet like they actually made feet or the head like it's phenomenal i got completely engrossed in this movie yeah it's still really fun to watch and that kitchen scene oh my god that kitchen scene is so good oh that's another foreshadowing thing that they did pretty well that i didn't know so I think I picked up on it this time because I just read the book. So in the book, um, Hammond is like obsessed with ice cream. Mm-hmm. Well, in this, they're talking like the power went out for, for a very extended period of time. So Laura Dern's character, um, Sadler, is speaking with Hammond and they're like eating ice cream. He's got like all these tubs. She's like, well, at least the ice cream's good. And he's like, like I said, we spared no expense. But when they go in that kitchen scene, they go to hide in the freezer and it's completely covered in ice because the freezer was left slightly open. So the stuff melted. Right. And then froze back over. And that's why they they actually survive because they go to run in. But the Velociraptor runs at the same time. But the Velociraptor keeps sliding. <laughs> um, and then they get back out. But that Surprise! was a great scene. Oh, and I love when... Like, I do love that scene, though, where she says, is it secure? And he's like, unless they learned how to open doors. Door, and then, and it then, then it opens the door. I mean, who thought to put handles in there? Come on. Right. <laughs> Gotta have knobs. A knob could have saved them. Right. Um, <laughs> but no, like... I I really liked everybody in this movie. Sam Neill was great. Um, One of my favorite moments um, when they're climbing over the electric fence and 
messes with the kids. <laughs> and Sadler's, um, she's kind of like getting the park back up and running and, you know, getting the electrical grid up again so that all these electric fences can keep the dinosaurs where they're supposed to be. And you see her like going down the list and flipping them all back on. The kid is still on the fence. He's like afraid to jump down. And then <laughs> he turns it on. And then she turns it on and he's, it's like right when he lets go. So he gets like, you know, he's not fried. But he still gets like enough of a jolt to stop his heart and he flies back. And then it like cuts to her looking super pleased with herself. <laughs> just like the biggest grin on her face and she just electrocuted this poor kid. Right. Um Yeah, that was that was pretty good. And then she like immediately finds Samuel Jackson's arm. Right. I also like how when she's running towards the shed to go underground, she like jumps over a log and then swings on a branch. Yeah, <laughs> she's good. She's doing parkour through the jungle. <laughs> parkour. Uh, before it was big. The The other issue I had, and this is a minor one, is towards the end of the movie, um, they get back into like the main place and the velociraptors are like, where did Hammond go? Like, where was he when these raptors were coming? Hammond was sulking. So like, okay. It's it's. Bad. Oh no! I, they, he was taking care of Malcolm somewhere, but they were in that main building, right? I thought so. Yeah, because that's where it seemed like they were leaving from. But the the kids are, you know, trying to get away from the Velociraptors, and then Laura Dern's character Sadler and Alan Grant come in, and they're like, "Get you know the Velociraptors come." So they get into the security room, they get all the stuff back up and running, and then the Velociraptors break the glass, so they like jump into the ceiling. I don't get why they didn't just stay in the ceiling for a little bit because the Velociraptors couldn't get in there. But right. instead, they like crawl through the ceiling, go out to like the main lobby, and the Velociraptors are waiting there. Yeah, like just stay. I mean, like Hammond, Hammond. So I felt like a little bit bad for him in certain parts of this. Um, so like when they first go into the park, they're like expecting to see dinosaurs within the first five minutes. But this is like effectively a test run. Right. Of what the the theme park consumers experience is going to be. So like I don't really know why they're expecting to see a dinosaur right away. But he's like immediately goes into sulking mode. Like he's just super bummed that they're not enjoying it. Things aren't working out. Stuff's already going wrong. So then he just goes like he goes like straight for you know sulking. And then he's diving into the ice cream during the movie. Yeah. At the end of the movie. When they're flying out on the chopper, like the kids are cuddled up with Grant instead of their grandfather, and like they almost died, and his creation almost killed them, like multiple times. What? <laughs> um, the thing is, like, I kind of got the sulking thing because, like, in the like I said in the book, he's like super paranoid and he's like super worried um, that the park's not going to open. In this, like, Malcolm, it keeps giving him attitude, so like he's got cameras and stuff in the cars. And, like, Ian Malcolm keeps, like, tapping on the thing, like, we're going to see a dinosaur? What the hell's going on? Like, he's kind of, like, egging him on a little bit. Right. Um, well, and the movie, like, kicks off with them just jumping out of the cars. Constantly. With, like, there's no locking mechanism. Well, but I love that they actually, that. I love that they mention it. Because, like, a lot of other films, they would just jump out and you don't really think much of it. But then, uh, was it, like, Muldoon calls him out? He's like, I told you, you need locking mechanisms. Muldoon socks, by oh, the way. He had some nice legs. He had he's the short shorts and like he pulled his socks all the way up his calves. I just laughed every time I saw it. In the book, he was black. Did he have those socks? I don't know. I'm not interested unless he had those socks. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that I really liked, the lawyer Gennaro. Um, like I said, he's actually like a much bigger part in the book, um, but he dies super early. In he here. had some good bits um, though. 
he i liked when he was like with the kids in the uh the jeep and then the kid picks up the night vision goggles and he goes what are those and the kid's like i don't know and he goes are they heavy and the kids are like yeah kind of he's like put them down they're expensive <laughs> <laughs> they're so mean to the kids like in the beginning of the movie grant does not want to be wants nothing to do with in them. the car with these kids and like why does hammond not go along with them like his grandkids are coming to visit he should be on this tour with them right you'd think they'd do that so they kind of like exile the two kids to the truck with the lawyer and then like the movie pretty much picks up right from there like right. the t-rex goes after them and you'd think when they see the t-rex like flipping over this truck that at this point only has the two kids left in it that they would do something, but they wait like a full 30 seconds to jump into action and grab a road flare. Like, and they're just watching. They're watching this Let's T Rex, real, like, though. kill these this children, and they don't even feel bad. This is something you would never would have experienced. And, you know, there's going to be some shock. Like, in an emergency situation, if somebody gets, like, shot, you can't just be like, someone call 911. You got to, like, say, you in the blue shirt, call 911. Like, you've got to be specific. Like, or you just kind of wait to see somebody else. So it takes a little bit to kick in. And there like, were only two of them in that other truck, though. But also, think about it. These people don't have connection to either one of those kids. <laughs> like, you're so asking them up. to put their lives at risk for kids they don't give an that F about. That T-Rex is going to town on that truck. I, also, know? the little boy is, like, still in the truck when, when it, it falls slides over. over the edge of the dam. He would have been dead because he was not buckled in. Just him slamming onto the inside of the truck like that would have killed him. Well, like, in the book, he, like, breaks his leg or his arm or something because of that. Mm. So they, they do address it in that. Um... Other than that, like, this movie's fantastic. Like, I, I honestly was kind of worried that the special effects weren't going to hold up. And there are some parts that the CG doesn't look great. But in all honesty, it looks better than things that we're getting on TV. Like, they're putting more and more CG in TV shows. And it's and it not looks good. And it's not, as, it's not <laughs> even as good as something that came out in 1993. Right. So I'm actually really impressed with... I am like we kind of well. jumped all over the place talking about this movie because it's exciting to talk about and it it was a good experience. It's definitely worth watching again and it's not disappointing at all. And I think we've also just been on a Jurassic Park high because I think on our last episode we mentioned we were really busy because we've had like three different groups of people come and visit us and we've been to Universal and we ended up getting we live like five minutes away from Universal Studios so and we've they're gone. They're gonna come find us, Mike. Yeah, they, I mean five <laughs> minutes from Universal's. <laughs> there's still millions of people in that area um so we like we went yesterday and we went and we made sure we have to go on the Jurassic park ride i got soaked i was very annoyed because it was, it was raining. hilarious uh, <laughs> but the the truck does not slide down the wall anymore on the yeah, ride i really lame. think they should fix that yeah or update the ride maybe that'd be cool yeah but yeah i think we've been a little bit on a uh, Jurassic park high lately uh we've got the new movie coming out which, you know, in just about a month and a half, two months. So I'm excited I'm about excited that. I'm excited about that. Um, but yeah, I th I think it's safe to assume that this movie did not ruin our childhood. No. And honestly, like watching the trailer for the next movie, I'm excited to watch it, but it looks like it's all over the place and I don't have high expectations for it. But revisiting this movie, I I loved it. I rewatched the, the Jurassic World like a few months ago and it was actually better the second time around than the first time so I, I i think it'll be fine all right so uh thank you guys for listening you can find 
everything MDX Pods related at mdxpods.com. We're on Twitter and Instagram at mdxpods. We're on that weird Vero app. Don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> you can also send us messages at mdxpods at gmail.com. And that's it. Check us out on patreon.com as well if you want to chip in a couple bucks, help out the show. Katrina, where can our listeners find you? I am all over the internet at Katrinaosity. So you can check me out on Instagram, Twitter, my YouTube channel. And make sure you send me a message about what you remember about our next show that we are covering. We're going to be doing a TV show this time. Hey, Arnold. Ooh. Yeah. I like Hey, Arnold. Yeah. At least I remember liking it. I, I'm so excited about Hey, Arnold. Excellent. So let us know. Check us out. MDX Pods or Katrinosity. Send us a DM. Tweet at us. Send us a message on Instagram. Whatever you like to do to let us know what you remember. Or make a tag um, of your favorite thing from that show and just tag us in it. Any of those things, and we'll, we'll do our best to get you on our next episode. And don't forget, go to audibletrial.com slash mdxpods and uh, help us out that way as well. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.